This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I appreciate so much, Derek, your reading this morning, and for all the song leaders and their song choices, thank you for your prayer this morning. I appreciate all of you for lifting up your voice and song and coming here today so that we can worship our holy, 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 our God, who right now is being worshiped thousands and thousands of angels may we be a part of that in spirit and truth this morning as you can see from the powerpoint the title of our our sermon is and study is everyday evangelism and to kind of just get kicked off in our in our study this morning I want to open up our thoughts by reading a couple of verses in 2 Kings chapter 7. And we're going to be reading verses 3 through 9 if you want to follow along. 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 through 9. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city The famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, To their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose, they fled at twilight, and left the camp intact, their tents their horses and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when, the le- and when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent, and they ate, and they drank, and carried from it silver and gold and clothing, and went and hid them. And they came back and entered another tent and carried some, of the, uh, some, of their, some from there also and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. And we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore come. Let us go and tell the king's household. We're all pretty familiar with leprosy. We know that once you have leprosy, that you cannot live with your family or with a community 
And the reason why is because it's a very contagious disease. And at that time, there was no cure for it. And so all the lepers in the city would have to live outside of the gate. And they stayed at the gate because people were going to and fro. And they would oftentimes have to beg for food to, abstain, to, to have life. A lot of times they would depend on their family or their friends to come and drop off food uh, every day. And so here we have these four lepers. And they were living outside of the city gate. Well, there was a terrible, terrible event that took place to this capital city. What happened is the Syrians began to surround this city of Samaria. So they surrounded it. And their purpose in doing so was to starve out this city. So you see, they stopped all trade and all commerce. There was no one that was going to be bringing food in. And no one could go out to obtain food. And so whatever they had in their pantries is all they had. And so you can imagine what would take place if there was a shortage of food and people began to starve to death. And that's exactly what took place. The scriptures tell us that, that it got so bad that the people would cut off the head of a donkey that would, you know, when you had plenty of food, that would be waste. But they would cut off the head of the donkey and they could sell it for two pounds of silver. A donkey's head. And they would, I guess, make a soup out of that. I don't know. They got so bad. And they were so hungry that they would go and gather bird's dung and compile it and sell it. They could sell a pint for two ounces of silver. They were eating dove dung. Time went on. They became so hungry that they would boil their babies and they would eat them. This is how terrible it got. When you have a city that is trapped in the, in its, within its walls and starving to death. So you have these lepers. Food stopped coming. And so they were going to starve to death if they just stayed there. And so they, they, they talk about these options with each other. Now, we can go into the city, but they don't have food, so that will not do us any good. They probably kill us because we have leprosy. Or we could just stay here and just, just hope for something to fall from the sky. But more likely, that's not going to happen. And so they decide to take the chance and to walk into the Syrian camp, the enemy camp, hoping that just maybe... One of these soldiers would have compassion on them and offer them food. But we know something miraculous took place. The Syrian army, before they took that journey, they heard noises. They thought, it was, they thought it was armies coming to attack them. And so they got afraid. They became afraid and they ran. And so when these four lepers walked into the camp, there was no one there. So they would open a tent door, and to their amazement, there would be just piles of food on the table. And you can imagine not having food for weeks and weeks. They had a lot of fun, 
eating from that table. And I imagine they ate and they ate and they ate some more. They saw treasure there. They're like, rich. We've struck it rich. And so they began to bury that treasure in the ground for a later day. They begin to bury the food for a later day. And they go into tent after tent after tent, and they would do this. And then they sat there. They began to think, what are we doing? We have good news, and it must be shared. People's lives depend on this food that we have found, upon this treasure. Amen. And if the king should find out that we are keeping this treasure hidden and people die, judgment will come to us. So why do we share this story this morning? Because we, you see, are all, we are those four lepers. Before we came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our body and our soul was decaying, decaying in sin. I think Isaiah says it so well. He was looking over Israel as a nation. And he says, oh, you sinful nation. Thy whole head is sick. Your heart is faint. From the sole of thy feet to the top of your head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. Isaiah describes sin as leprosy. But you see, just as Naaman was healed when he dipped himself seven times in the river of Jordan, you see, when we dipped ourselves in the waters of baptism and came in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ, when we arose out of those waters, we walked in what? In newness of life. We were no more leprous, but we were whole because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, these lepers, they found salvation. They found life. And so it was up to them, were they going to sit on this and keep it silent? Or were they going to share the good news? And that is a decision that each of us has to make for ourselves. I'm reminded of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, and 3 and 4, he says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine on them. You see, we all have a choice this morning. Are we going to sit on the gospel of Jesus Christ and keep it silent or are we going to share it? The average member of the church has heard 4,000 sermons. They've sung 20,000 songs, participated in 8,000 public prayers, and converted zero sinners. When was the last time that we taught someone the scriptures with a gospel that wasn't in our household, in our immediate family. When was the last time that we woke up in the morning and we prayed with agony in our hearts for the lost, 
and ask God to send us someone that needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Are we sitting on the good news of Jesus Christ? Are we hiding it? Or are we sharing it? This morning, my endeavor is to encourage us. To encourage us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we've been hiding it, if we've been sitting on the gospel, to repent and to begin to share the gospel as we should. And we want to talk about just fundamental ways that we can share the gospel in our busy everyday lives. I've called this sermon Everyday Evangelism because I want to show us how we can use it and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. So let's get started. Why are Christians not spreading the gospel? Why are we coming to worship and singing songs and hearing lessons, but yet not being obedient to the spreading of the gospel? My grandfather, he always told stories. And I remember one story that he told, oftentimes, about a boy who was infatuated with a pretty girl. And so he was trying to muster up the courage to tell this young girl his feelings for her. And so he began to, to digest why was he infatuated with her. Well, first of all, it was her beauty. She was a beautiful young girl. And secondly, every time he spent time, or every, every occasion that he spent time with her, it was almost like time just stood still. And so he was wanting to communicate that to her. And so again, he gets the boldness to go to her. And he says, you have a face that will stop a clock. And she looked at him, slapped him in the face, and walked away. What happened? He had such good intentions. You see, what happened is he became nervous. He was inexperienced in talking to girls. And he probably lacked confidence. And so there was a glitch between his mind, what he wanted to say, and his tongue. It just came out wrong. And so many times... When it comes to spreading the gospel, we had those similar feelings. We don't have the experience. Maybe we lack confidence, or maybe we fear uh, that it will not go okay. And so that paralyzes us to where we just don't do anything at all. You know, sometimes we think that someone's conversion... Someone's salvation is going to depend on how well we can present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe how well that we can uh, overcome uh, the obstacles and the arguments of a false doctrine that someone believes. But when we shoulder that responsibility, that is just, that's a responsibility and a burden that we're not, we're not able to bear. That's putting too much on us. What we need to realize is that we are simply planters and waterers, and that God gives the increase. You know, when I think about sometimes how insufficient that we feel, we must remember, too, that we're not the only ones that, ever feel, that have ever felt that way. 
Do you remember some of the prophets in the old law and how God would come to them and say, Hey, Isaiah, Isaiah, I need you to be a messenger for me. And what did Isaiah say? He said, Oh, God, I'm not your man. I'm just simply, I'm not righteous enough. I've got too much sin in my life. How could I be a messenger for you? Think about Moses. He had a glitch between his mind and his tongue. He was an eloquent speaker. He said, oh God, I can't be your spokesman. I'm not eloquent enough. Think about Gideon. Remember what Gideon said to God when God asked him to be his messenger? He said, oh, I'm too weak. I'm not strong enough to be a leader. What about Jeremiah? Jeremiah says, oh, God, I'm not experienced enough. I don't have the wisdom. I'm just too young. But were they some of the greatest prophets to ever live? Yes. Why is that? Because they got out of their own way. And they realized it wasn't about them. It was about what God could do through them. Think about the... Remember when Jesus, before he was going to choose his apostles... These were the dudes, the guys that were going to basically take on the Great Commission and begin to start his church, the kingdom of God. Very important. But look at the men that he chose. They were fishermen. They were just normal day workers. Just average Joes. But these men, with the Holy Spirit, were able to turn the world upside down. So I guess what I'm getting at is so many times we don't spread the gospel of Jesus Christ because we feel insufficient. But let us not think that way. Let us remember this verse. I love this verse. It says in Ephesians 3 and 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think or imagine, according to the power that worketh in us. You know, there's a the quote that we often hear in the secular world. The quote goes like this. If people are not laughing at your goals, then your goals are too small. If people are not laughing at your goals, your goals are too small. I just wonder sometimes when we pray to God and ask him for things, if he doesn't just chuckle a little bit at our request. He's like, is that all you want? (laughs) I can do so much more. Why don't we challenge God? Let's challenge God. He has promised us this promise right here that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. If you want to be his instrument of righteousness, you pray to him and say, you use me mightily and watch what he can do in our lives. If you ever think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito.
the Great Commission. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. How many of us have that verse memorized? How many times have we heard that verse? How many of us are obeying it? You know, I've heard men, unfortunately, that have taught this verse and said this verse only applied to the apostles and the disciples that were there that day when Jesus gave this great commission. I don't agree with that. Because what would happen if that were true is that that great commission would die with that generation. How many generations have been since in the last 2,000 years? This is something that needs to be handed down from generation to generation because every generation must hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've heard some people just say, well, I can't even relate to this verse. It's just, it's not realistic because I have to provide a living for my family. I am a homemaker. How can I travel the world and proclaim the gospel to every nation? I can't do that. And so they are like, I just can't even relate. Let's talk about that. You know, there are some men that are qualified and that quit their jobs and are supported by the church. But you know what? They can't go throughout the whole world, can they? They can't do it in their lifetime. They can't learn enough languages. You see, we all have a world. And that may be this continent. It may be three or four countries and languages that we know. Or it may be this, this community of Alma or Greenwood or Fort Smith. That may be our world. I heard a guy, I asked him the question one time. I said, what, what do you do for a living? What do you do for a profession? He said, I spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, oh, are you a preacher? He said, no, no, I sell, I sell insurance to pay for my expenses, but my profession is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think that is what this verse is speaking to. You know, sometimes we get very narrow-minded when we think about evangelism. We think, well, evangelism is that one week of the year where we're going on a mission trip and we're pro proclaiming the gospel. Or we think, well, when the church gets together maybe tw twice a year and goes throughout the community and knocks doors and hands out flyers and asks these strangers, hey, do you want to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's evangelism. Well, yes, both are true, but we cannot confine evangelism to just those things. You know, I don't see Jesus. Maybe you do, but I, I, I just don't see Jesus when he was walking this earth and by his apostles and his disciples and set them all down and have like a morning staff meeting and say, okay, guys, today we're going to heal two lepers. Today we're going to feed one multitude. 
We're going to cast out four devils, and we're going to debate with the Pharisees on these three subjects. I don't see him doing that. Do you? I see him on a journey. And wherever he was at, maybe he was getting a cup of water at a well. And maybe he just shared himself and the hope of salvation with that person on the other side of that well. I think that's what Jesus wanted when he shared this great commission. You know, some people, they, they interpret this go you therefore as as you are going. As you are going and journeying through life, wherever you are at, whatever your world looks like, you make sure that your number one profession is being my evangelist, being my minister and my spokesman in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a study done amongst the Institute of American Church Growth, and they found that 75 to 90 percent of Christians are converted by a relative or a friend. 75 to 90 percent of converts are because or due to a relative or a friend. Think about who is responsible for teaching you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is it a friend? Maybe a relative? More than likely, that's how it took place. You know, again, kind of getting back to go you throughout the world. Each one of us has a world unique to himself. No one else, not even your closest relative, not even your spouse, has the same combination of people as you do. You have your own sphere. And guess what? This group of people that you see and that know you, they are your mission field. That is your world that you are to go to. And God has placed them in your life under your care, under your responsibility to proclaim his word. That's very humbling. No one else has the same group of people as you do. There's another part to this verse that I've looked over a lot, talking about the Great Commission. A lot of us just confine it to meaning go and teach someone about the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But there's a, everyone, when we make something, there's a secret. There's a secret sauce, if you will. This is the magic the magic ingredient. And it's something that we overlook in the Great Commission. And it's called discipleship. 
You see, when we teach someone the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they come out of those waters of baptism, we are not to stop there. So many churches fail because they stop there. But the secret sauce is this. You teach them to be a disciple of you. You teach them how to teach the gospel to their sphere of influence in their world. And what's going to happen is there's going to be a wildfire. There's going to be a revival like we have never seen. The secret in the sauce is to make disciples out of those that we preach the gospel to. We teach them how to teach. Teach them how to teach. You know, we think about the Apostle Paul. We think, man, I could never be like him. Wow, he did so many amazing things. He started church after church and traveled the world. Wow. You know what his secret was? He made disciples. He made replicas of himself. What did he tell the young Timothy? He said, Timothy, you remember everything that I've taught you? He said, you take what I've taught you and you teach another man. And you teach that man how to teach another and so forth. That's, that's why the early church exploded right there. Because they taught the gospel and then they made a disciple out of that convert and taught that person. And again, you can see where I'm going with this. Think about, remember that lady at the, at the well that Jesus just striked up a conversation on his way? I can't remember where. But he stopped there and he had a conversation to, about the, you know, to this lady about, about him and how he was a bread of life. She got excited. And so she, what did she do? She went into, that, into her city and she talked to her relatives and her friends. And she gathered this whole multitude of people. And what did she do? She brought them to Jesus Christ. So that he could teach them. That's how it's supposed to work. Think about the man who had the, the demons inside of him. You remember that guy? He was running around naked and cutting himself. He was a wild man. But after Jesus healed him of his, of his legions of devils, you know, this man wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to hop on the ship and travel with Jesus and get to know him even better. But what did Jesus say? He said, no, make a disciple of yourself. And so that's what he did. And so when Jesus came back to this region where he was once rejected, he was gladly received. Why? Because Jesus made a disciple of himself, and then he made disciples of himself. You know, I was talking with Chris Lineham, and he was telling me how they're trying to create a farm and, and a sustainable life for themselves, and I could relate to that very well because my grandfather uh, did that. And even we, you know, watched that, and my father wanted to do that as well. We didn't do it quite as well as my grandfather, but we tried. And so for about six years, we grew all of our own food. We had cattle. We had meat rabbits. And we did a lot of hunting and fishing to, to provide as much meat, you know, as we could and food. Well, I remember one summer day, I was... Uh, working in the garden, and we had just harvested all the corn. And I was sitting there on our front porch, and it's a hot summer day, and trying to catch a little bit of breeze, and kind of bored. I just said, well, I'm going to count how many kernels of corn are on this ear. And so I did. 
I can't remember exactly how many, but I think there were like 350 plus kernels of corn. And you know what? From my experience and from our crops, there was usually about an average of two ears of corn on every stalk. And so I was thinking to myself, well, one kernel of corn was planted in the ground, and from that one kernel of corn, 700 grew from that one. I was thinking to myself, if God could do that in the natural realm, think of what he could do in the spiritual realm. Think about what he could do through the Holy Spirit working in us and through the power of his word. I want to see a revival. I want to be a part of that, don't you? I want to see it with all my heart. And I think the key is getting off of the treasure that we're sitting on. I think the key is knowing that we have a responsibility to go out into our world every single day to our sphere of influence and sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ and not stopping there, but teaching them how to be a disciple. And we'll see this community turned upside down. What a wonderful event that that we could be a part of. It could start with us. We can turn one kernel of a corn into 700. 700 saints for the glory of God. Mm. This morning, you have been such a kind audience, and I appreciate so much your attention. The song that we're about to sing talks about a fountain. I love the words to it. A fountain that is flowing free. It is free. Salvation is free. Offering to the whole world. This morning, if you have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is no better time. What I love about the gospel is there's such urgency to it. Remember when the disciples said to, to, to Jesus at that one point, you've got to stop and eat. You're about to faint if you don't stop and take care of yourself. And he said, no, my meat is to do the will of my father. Because he was seeing a crowd of people that were coming to him. And all he could think about is teaching them about the hope of salvation. And that teaches us that there's urgency when it comes to obeying the gospel of Christ. We should not wait for tomorrow, but today. And if you're sitting in the audience and you believe in God and believe that his son is Jesus Christ, and you believe with all your heart that you need to make a change in your life and to crucify the old man and to repent, and you're willing to be immersed in the watery graves of baptism and arise into newness of life, then we beg you to come now and, and take advantage of this wonderful opportunity. Or if you need prayers for strength, Maybe you feel insignificant in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ or you just need strength in that, that reminder of how precious this gospel is that we have been given. And come now as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.